Welcome to Covenant Life Church, a ministry that is committed to helping you discover Christ's purpose for your life and leading you towards your best existence by providing you with meaningful ways to affect positive change in your world. Join Pastor Shane as he delivers a powerful and inspirational message for your life today. All right, we're excited about today and about bringing the Word of God to you. This morning, I'm excited about all that God has in store for you. And for me, I had uh, recovered most of my voice before first service today, and I have preached myself into a little bit of a rasp this morning. I can promise you it's going to get rowdy in here, and it's going to be exciting, and I can't help, but when I'm thinking about what God is trying to say to you, to me today, it's going to blow you away. I really believe that with all my heart. I'm here this morning to preach the final and concluding part of the GPS series, We almost ended it last week. But then I had some people say to me, Pastor, there feels like there's one more week. Tell me there's one more because I feel like there's something else that's there. And I was like, I don't know. We're supposed to be switching into the catalyst mode. But then the more is more I was thinking about praying about it, I said, you know what? This is true. The Lord has a word for you today because God is positioning you. GPS is not global positioning system. It's God's positioning system. And God has positioned you here this morning for favor. God has positioned you here this morning for a purpose. If you leave today missing that, you will have missed the whole reason why God has set you up. Were you like, I'm here because someone brought me? No, you are here because God brought you here. This is not a mistake. There's no coincidences in the kingdom. You are here by divine appointment because God has something to say to you. I know we don't normally do this, but I want everybody to stand up on their feet real quick. If you would do that, let's get loose. Let's get excited. I want you to put your hand over your heart. I want to pray for you. Okay? Lord, I pray for every single person that's here. And those that are listening in, Lord, over the web. I pray that supernaturally, God, you would do a powerful thing in every life that's represented here. Lord, I pray that if you can't speak through me, that you would speak in spite of me. And that you would allow your word to resonate through each of our hearts to such a degree that all of us would testify in mass and say that it was good that we were in the house of the Lord. Holy Spirit, do what only you can do and make every heart soft and pliable in your hands that you, Lord, and your work may be done and completed inside of them. And everyone says, amen. In Jesus' name. Go ahead, be seated. So, how many of you have a GPS system? And you, you have it one way or another. Your phone, you go some way, you get around with the GPS system. You know what I've realized about a GPS? That a GPS system is only as good as your ability to get signal to it. This is true. This is true. So not long ago, I was out visiting one of you, which shall remain nameless, but you live out in the boondocks. And um, I was trying to punch your address into my GPS in the car, car GPS a little dated. And so I'm getting close to your home, but I don't know where your house is. And so I try to put it in and it says, address not found. That's a frustrating thing. So, you know, I do what we always do. I, I, you know, I pull out my smartphone. If I don't know where I am and my car GPS doesn't know where I am, Google Maps always knows everything. And so I am going to pull up Google on my phone, except 
I have no signal to my phone because whoever you are, which shall remain nameless, live in the boondocks. And you have no cell service. You're out in the middle of nowhere. I don't know. God help you if you have an emergency and you don't have a landline. I mean, you literally live in the middle of nowhere. And I want to be a good pastor. And I wanted to be at your house on time because you invited me. You were cooking me dinner. And I was so frustrated because I had to drive 20 minutes to get cell signal just so I could find where you live. I was very frustrated. A GPS is only as good as its ability to get signal. And here's the truth about that, is that all of us go through life, and we've had those experiences where we can't punch up where we are for whatever reason. But what's worse about that, it's not just in a car, but in our human experiences, those times where you're trying to get through to God and can't. Have you ever prayed and felt like your prayers weren't being answered? Have you ever been trying to get a hold of God because you're unsure about where to go and you can't hear? Those times where you're so busy, you want, desperately, you want to know God's purpose for your life, but you can't because the bandwidth is strained so much because it's like you're putting out fire after fire after fire. Normally, when everything is flowing good, you can carve out some time to pray. But what happens when there is no time for that? You said, there's always time to pray. Not always. Sometimes it can get crazy. And that your disasters that you're facing are so heavy that it's hard to find the bandwidth to really hear from God. These experiences are not uncommon. In fact, they're very common for all of us that we've all had seasons where it's just hard to hear. Maybe the more spiritual people, they hear better. But sometimes the heavens feel brass. Sometimes we pray and there's no response. Sometimes we seek and you don't find. Those disconcerting times in our life, it's important to have a GPS or to know the God's positioning system is able to help us in these kinds of locations and these kinds of times. Because we will all have situations and circumstances that are bigger than our ability to meet them. Crises, whether it's with our kids, whether it's in our home lives, whether it's in our family, whether it's with uh, dealing with problem after problem. You know, sometimes the problems just keep coming. The washing machine breaks, then the air condition breaks, then the car breaks, and the moment you get one thing fixed, it's like the next thing, and it's just a cycle. It's hard. How do you navigate through those periods of time where the signal isn't clear? Our text this morning really invites us to this location. It invites us to this kind of experience. It's found in 2 Samuel chapter 5. But before we get to 2 Samuel chapter 5, there's some backstory. As many of you know that there was a young king by the name of David. But before he was the young king, he was the shepherd boy that lived out in the field that sometime in his late uh, 11, 12, 13, 14, somewhere in that age range, when his father didn't think enough of him to bring him into the house to, to have him presented before Samuel to be the next anointed king that God saw him there. Saw him, the shepherd boy there, and they poured the oil of 
of, uh, upon his head, the horn of oil, and he is going to be the next king. He faces Goliath and defeats him with a sling and a stone. He has battle after battle, and he tends to win. But Saul gets jealous of him, so he runs for his life. But now he's getting to the point where he's about to assume the kingdom. And everything finally is coming together. But he's a little bit worn for the wear. He's worse for the wear. Because along the way, he's lost family members. He's lost close friends. And now he's in his 30s. He's finally getting the anointing and all of the kingdoms have come together of Israel, of Judah and said, you're going to be the next king. And they pour the oil upon his head again. It's finally time. But now he's in his 30s and the life expectancy during that time is somewhere around 40 years old and he feels a little late to the party. That which sounded exciting at first is now a little bit different in his heart. This is not turned out to be anything like he would have expected. So he's moving towards that, but on the cusp of him taking the throne, this occasion that we're going to read in Scripture happens. And I want to read it for you today. 2 Samuel chapter 5, verse 17. When the Philistines heard that David had been anointed king over Israel, they went up in full force to search for him. But David heard about it and went down to the stronghold. Now the Philistines had come and spread out in the valley of Rephaim. So David inquired of the Lord, shall I go and attack the Philistines? Will you deliver them into my hands? The Lord answered him, go, for I will surely deliver the Philistines into your hands. So David went to baal Perizim, and there he defeated them. He said, as waters break out, the Lord has broken out against my enemies before me. So that place was called baal Perizim. I read through that text, and you think, another victory story of David, Israel's mighty king. But there's some troubling points within the text that if you're not an astute reader, if you're not carefully walking through the text, you're sort of missing the point. The Philistines are gathering together in a band of soldiers to prevent David from taking the throne. So David meets the attack. No, the scripture says that he goes down to the stronghold. The battle is over here. David is going over here. And if you race through the text, you kind of are missing the backstory, the white space, where most of this is actually unfolding. And I think sometimes, if we're not careful readers, we kind of miss the point. Probably the most important thing, and that is that David, the king, the anointed one, is not meeting the battle with courage, but instead is running from the battle in fear. Have you ever run from a battle that you know that you should be fighting because you don't have the energy for it? Maybe at a different time, at a different point, if I was young, then maybe I could start all over, but everything going wrong in my family and business and having to begin all over again at this age, not now, not when I was this close, not when I was right on the cusp, not bad news from the doctor. We finally got some peace in our home, not at this point, any time but now. 
That emotional currency is what is weighing on David, which is why instead of running to the battle, he's running away. Finds his way into the stronghold. What's the stronghold? Well, the stronghold is a doulum. It's the place where David has run historically when times have been rough. When Saul was chasing him and he was running for his life, he hid in that network of caves and mountainous regions because it was a place of safety. But David doesn't look valiant here. He's afraid. And he's running. He's running from his call. He's running from his anointing, his literal anointing to the king. He's running away from his problems instead of facing them. And we don't really know all of what's going on here because the way that the text comes, it's sort of rapid fire. It gives us sentence after sentence after sentence. But if you notice in your Bible, and this is why it's important to break out one of the old school kind like this. That, that's not on your phone. Because in the middle of a, of a text, sometimes if you notice at the bottom, there'll be with this cross-reference. And it wants to point you to another text in Scripture that giving insight into what it is that you just read. Well, if you're looking at the cross-reference portion of your Bible, you'll notice that there's more story here that talk a little bit about Adullam, that talk a little bit about the Valley of Rephaim, a little bit of what this text is really trying to communicate. And if you notice the cross-reference section, you'll find yourself in 2 Samuel 23. David's now dying. And he's revisiting this story. He goes, remember that story I told you about how God met us in the Valley of Rephaim and he brought about a great, great victory? I'm about to die, and it would, I would be doing a great injustice if I were to leave this story untold. Let me tell you about what was really happening at that particular point. So in 2 Samuel 23, we get a little hint of this. Verse 13, during harvest time, three of the 30 chief warriors came down to David at the cave of Adullam, while a band of Philistines encamped in the valley of Rephaim. So David's warriors aren't even with David. Like David's not even left them. And he's gone to hide by himself or maybe with just a couple of people. He doesn't want anybody to know where he is. He's running from the battle, it tells us. He's not where he needs to be. And words also have meaning. And I think sometimes our translations, they miss the point. Not, not usually. I think translations are good, and I think God inspires them. But what words mean matter. Like if I were to tell you a particular word, knowing what that word means gives more credibility to what it is that I'm saying. And so if I use a $30 word in a sermon and no one understands what I'm saying, even if it's a great word... I have just wasted my breath. And here we have some of that. The Valley of Rephaim, what's that mean? The Philistines are gathering here in the Valley of Rephaim. Is it a location, a proper place? Yeah, but there's a play on words that you need. Valley of Rephaim means the Valley of Giants. That David 
is running from the giants. Now, where did Goliath come from? He was a Philistine. He's one of these giants. But now, instead of facing one giant, he's facing a whole valley of giants. And he was fine as long as he could fight just one at a time. But now there's a whole band of brothers that are coming against David. It's a whole valley full of them. And David is running from a valley of giants that he knows within his strength that he has no capacity to meet. That's where he's at. And so you're getting a little bit of this backstory that three of the mighty men find David huddled up in a corner in a cave and he's whining. Have you ever got a spirit of whining over your life because it ain't going right and things ain't going good and you start complaining? Y'all too holy for that in here. But I want to tell you, there are sometimes, particularly in my household with all those girls, that the spirit of whining can overtake a household. And now here it's overtaken David. Verse 14, at that time, David was in the stronghold and the Philistine garrison was at Bethlehem. This is significant because even in his hometown, David's from Bethlehem, that even where he's from is filled with Philistines. Everywhere he looks, in the valley of Rephaim, there's Philistines. Where he used to live, probably in his hometown, maybe sleeping in his bed. The Philistines are there too. And it said that David longed for water. And said, oh, oh, oh. Someone would give me a drink from the well near the gate of Bethlehem. Can you give me some soul food? Some chicken and some rice when you're fasting, amen. Something else, a cheeseburger, some McDonald's, something other than this Daniel food that I've been eating for 17 days. I need something. He's whining that somebody would please bring me a drink from Bethlehem. Oh, I am resisting a lot of urge to preach about the water from Bethlehem that would later come in the person of Christ. I'm resisting a lot of urge here, but suffice it to say that this is historically and theologically significant. He wants something of salvation that would only later on come from Bethlehem. Oh, God help me today. So the three warriors, they broke through the Philistine lines, drew water from the well near the gate of Bethlehem and carried it back to David. This is important, but it tells us a lot about God's GPS, God's positioning system. And no matter where you're at in life, even if you find yourself hiding from The Lord today, because of insecurity, you don't feel like you're good enough to fulfill the call that's upon your life. You don't think that you've got the skill set. You don't think that you've got the emotional or spiritual or financial bandwidth to confront whatever it is that's in front of you. What it's good to know is that God knows where you are and he knows where I am. And he knows how to find us when we're hiding behind insecurity, when we're hiding because of failure, when we're hiding because we don't feel sufficient enough to fight the battles that are in front of us, those times in life where we're running from the problem instead of to it, that God knows how to find us. He knows exactly where our location is, and he knows where you are. And God sends these three men to go find the king, to remind him of who he is. 
They're going back. And if you need encouragement about why it is that you need to be in a life group, look no further. Because there's sometimes in life we need some people around us that can call us back to ourselves when we're acting the fool and we're not a person of faith. When we're shrinking back instead of stepping up, we need brothers and sisters that'll hold us up, that'll say, you are strong enough for this battle. You are more than a conqueror. You are an overcomer through Christ Jesus. We need those people in our lives holy friends that'll call us to claim dreams that we're too afraid to claim and this is where they're finding David and these three mighty men they show up and they're looking at the one that has led them at Ziklag the one that's there a champion down and said you come at me with shields buckler and sword I don't need all that I come at you in the presence of the Lord and these three men go and they remind the king of who he is by finding where he is we need people like that in our lives that could come alongside of us and partner with us when we don't feel like we have the strength or the grace to get through. And God uses people often to accomplish his purpose because that's how God likes to work. He wants us to be a people in community and of community. And so God locates David in that place. And David literally in a place that's rugged and terrain that looks nothing like a palace is running as a slave in a cave. But in that slave as a cave, he's learning that it's also a place of grace. And that God means to meet him in such a powerful way that everything from that moment would transform. But he's got to allow the Lord to locate where he is in those deep recesses and dark parts of his heart where he is afraid to claim his kingship. He's been anointed, and some of you are anointed. He's been called, and many of you have been called, and yet you run and you're hiding. But God always sees. It's kind of like my two-year-old. She's loving hide and seek now, but she's awful at it. I mean, she'll stick her head under one of these chairs and her whole body will be out. And she'll say, come and find me. And we act like we don't see her, but we always do. We hide, she hides sometimes under the covers. And my wife will come in, where's daddy? And she'll start laughing as she's under. Because the reason is, is that two-year-old knows what we often forget. That the joy of playing hide and seek is being found. And God sees you and has found you this morning. He's got his eyes on you today. And he's calling you out of hiding and into the forefront to claim that anointing that is upon your life. David reflecting on this in Psalm 139 says it like this, where can I go that your presence won't find me? If I ascend up into the heights of the heavens, you're there. But even if I make my bed in the grave or the belly of hell itself, still your presence knows how to find me. If I say, surely the darkness will cover me and the darkness hide me from your presence, even the darkness will be as light to you. David thinking about this idea, reflecting on it, has given us a psalm that tells us and reminds us that God always knows how to find us. And this morning, he's got his eyes on you because some of you have been hiding. You've been running You've been letting other people stand in positions that you were called to take. 
You, you've been letting other people stand in your stead when God has something greater for you to do. God knows where you are. His positioning system is intricate. And even if you're hiding in utter darkness, it's light to him. The second thing about God's GPS, his positioning system, has a way of being able to make a path through uncharted territory. The Philistine garrison is guarding Bethlehem. And these three men say, well, if God's with us, this garrison of soldiers has nothing that they can do to stop us. So why don't we just run back through this entire platoon of soldiers. Let's just run up right in the middle of them, go to the well, draw up water from it, try and stop me. Try and stop me. Pull it up, pour it in a glass, and come back and bring it to the king. That's like somebody coming into your house as you're sitting on your couch in your living room, smacking you across the face, making them themselves a ham sandwich in your refrigerator and walking back out. That's how audacious this move is. But these three men know because they are anointed to protect this king that they can do what it is that the king himself is too afraid to do, and that's to take on an entire army if necessary to remind this king of who he is. You are God's anointed. You are God's king. And I'm going to remind you about it. You want some water? I'll go get you some water. You want some, some steak too? We can hook that up also. Whatever it's going to take. Because God can make a way through uncharted territory. Who's heard of three men taking on an entire army? God. Because we recognize that with God, even one stands as a majority so long as he's with them. Even in the face of thousands. So why are we cowering back? Because sometimes it doesn't seem like there's a way. I learned this on a mission trip. We were in Ecuador not long ago. And one of the pastors says, I want you to go into the jungle over to this next village group. And I want you to go talk to them. So I go and I stand on the edge of the jungle and there ain't no path. So I look over at the guide that he sent with me, Ramon. I say, hey, there ain't no trail here. He goes, I am the trail. He took out his machete and he starts cutting through the woods. And I, wherever Ramon went, as long as I was following Ramon, there was a clear path. That's how God makes paths for us. If there's not a way here, there's no problem. I'm the way maker, baby. And if I say there's a way, then even if it doesn't look like there's a way, I have already made it. It's kind of like those old GPSs when you get on a road that it doesn't recognize. As you going over terrain and doesn't show a road, that's what it's like. God is able to make a road where there isn't one. Highways in the desert, a straight path forward. But here David, he doesn't recognize that. And he needs some friends to remind him. By them breaking through the ranks and bringing him back water, it's like he's beginning to see that God is able to open doors that no one could shut. But sometimes we're more grieving those doors that are shut. Not realizing that one no from God is a yes to something else. And when God is saying yes to something else, it's always bigger than we ever imagined. 
And sometimes we're so determined to go the wrong way that we don't realize that the very best way we can go is the way that God is making when it doesn't seem like there is a way to move forward. The reason I think we get frustrated sometimes is because of discouragement. David's discouraged. Who could blame him? He's fought so many battles. He's he's had to face so many foes. He's been literally in one battle after the next for more than two decades. It's a long time to fight. He's discouraged. And when you're discouraged, discouragement steals your try. Maybe on a different day. I like the way that 2 Samuel chapter 5 goes because it gives it in a sound bite. In that Instagram photo, no filter. But no filter doesn't tell you all that it took to get to that point of no filter. All of the pain that you had to fight through to just get to this point. The suffering, the trials, the difficulty. Here though, we see the power of God and the way that a brotherhood in a critical time can help us to overcome obstacles that are in our way. And many of you, the reason why you're stuck is because you've decided to journey alone instead of tribe together. Tribing together leads to life because these men at the critical time in his life could call him to something that he was afraid to lay claim to himself. So David, he's here and he's asking himself the question as these men have come back now with a drink of water. God, if you could use them to do that to remind me of who I am, then that valley of giants doesn't seem so scary. And he begins to contend with the discouragement in his spirit and to rise up and recognize that a valley of giants is also telling you something else. Because the enemy will never fight over territory in your life that he doesn't care about. The area that is the biggest fight in your life is also simultaneously the opportunity and the place where God wants to do his greatest work through it in you. So if you're constantly fighting in your marriage, it's because God intends to bring a miracle to that place. If you're fighting in spiritual warfare over a ministry, it's because that's where God intends to work. If you're fighting in your life because you can't get your crazy kids to listen to you, that's because God's call upon their life is huge. And that's why the enemy's fighting. The enemy is not going to contend for territory he doesn't care about. Where the giants are is the place that God intends to do his greatest work. Some years back, I was in a fellowship group. Child, this really opened up for me the way that God intends community. We weren't at a church service. It was just a fellowship group, and it was a bunch of us sitting around in a living room. And my friend Jack... He comes to me, he says, Pastor, I'm really struggling today. I said, what's going on, man? He goes, you know that job I had at the university? He goes, man, I served that university faithfully and, and everything else, but there was been some leadership changing, and I, I lost my job. It wasn't like I did anything wrong. It's just they said that, that, that it was time for me to go, and they were going to go in a different direction. And, man, I've been putting resumes out everywhere. I've been rejected by everywhere. <laughs> Even McDonald's said no to me. He said, you know, that's a bad day when even McDonald's won't hire you. I'm just trying to make enough money to live. It's a closed door everywhere I'm going. I said, man, let's pray right here. So I had the whole fellowship group, and we just began to pray for Jack, and we just began to intercede for him. 
And I knew what his call was because we went to school together. I knew that he had a call on his life to ministry. And McDonald's would never suffice. It would only be a band-aid on something that was really God trying to send him towards. So we began to pray together. And as we were praying together, God gave me a prophetic word for him. And I said, oh, man, I know we're just done praying, but God's told me I need to share something with you. The reason why God shut that door is because his platform for you is so much greater than you ever would imagine on your own. See, you've been thinking that God is trying to open these small doors for you, but the next door that God has for you is huge. You're going to get a call this week, and it's going to be an open door to something that you could have never imagined or realized by yourself. He said, man, that all sounds good. So a couple days later, he gets a call to be an associate pastor at a church of about 5,000 people in Indiana. And he says, pastor, I just got a call. What should I do? I said, well, I told you what to do. God said, take that job. So he takes this job. He's associate pastor of the church. That first week he was there, the pastor resigned. Two months later, they elected this 25-year-old man to be the pastor of a church of 5,000. What he could have never accomplished on his own, God made a way for. And what he needed was to shut these doors to the small things around him and trust that God's plan for him was much bigger than he could imagine. He is still serving that church today. You see, church, he needed holy friends at that time to call him to something. And you think you can do it without holy friends? You think you can do it outside of community? No, we must have one another and we must stand with one another in these moments that are most critical to remind each other of our kingship in Christ, of our royal lineage, and of our hope. The third thing about God's positioning system is not only can it make a way where there's no way, but... God has this ability to open up a path through the impossible and bring impossible situations into impossible paths that only God could open. So it's not like a way could even be made. There are some situations that we get into that it's just impossible. It's like we're boxed in. This is certainly where David finds himself. He is boxed in a situation that he can't see himself out of. And yet God shows up through these men, through this sign act of bringing them back some water. And they said, here, king, you can do this. And so here's the story again. Now I'm going to go back to 2 Samuel chapter 5. I'm just going to read it again. Now the Philistines had come and spread out in the valley of giants, valley of Rephaim. So David inquired of the Lord, shall I go and attack the Philistines? Will you deliver them into my hands? The Lord answered him, go for I will surely deliver the Philistines into your hands. So David went to Baal Perazim. Wait, did you, did you guys catch that? Spread out in the valley of Rephaim. So that's where the battle is. So David went to Baal Perazim. What? Those are two different places. And that should be a textual irritant for you. And you're like, what, what is that? And there he defeated them. And he said, as waters break out, the Lord has broken out against my enemies. So that place was called Baal Perazim. There's a name change. God is changing the name of the Valley of Giants and changing it to Baal Perazim. We might need to know what that means. Baal Perazim means the place of breakthrough. Or God 
who brings the breakthrough. As waters break out like a dam that finally busts open and water rushes through it, that that place that had been known in the past as a valley full of giants is now forever remembered as the place of breakthrough. Here's the connecting point to you. Where the giants are now gathering, God is trying to recontextualize or rename that experience in you for your life and say, that was the moment, not where the giants taunted me, but that is the moment of our greatest breakthrough. The place where everything changed forever. Where the marriage got back on track. Where my kids came home to Jesus. Where the sickness finally stopped. It was a forever change that God brought. The valley that had been known for its giants will forever be known as the place where God broke through. That's the way that God wants to work for you, for me, for us. He wants to take that valley filled with giants in your life and make it a point where his breakthrough happens in the impossible situations to bring impossible outcomes because we do not serve a God of possibilities, church. We serve a God that makes the impossible possible. The God that can open a door that no man can open, that can make a way where there is no way because he's a way maker and he's a breakthrough God and whatever you're dealing with today God has come to meet you I've come to preach myself out of this voice if I have to to let you know that God is coming to bring your breakthrough today all you need to do is go out and get it you see the soldiers went out and went through the motions of battle but it's clear, the scripture says, who the breakthrough came from. It was God. God is the one who broke out against the Philistines. God is the one that'll break out against your financial debt. God is the one that'll break out against your discouragement, against your fear. God is the one that does the work. We just go through the motions of the fights. And God is the one that brings the outcome. David needed those three men to rush through that garrison of soldiers and to bring him back a drink. And I have come all the way from the gates of hell to bring you back the water of heaven today to remind you of who you are in Jesus, that you are more than a conqueror and that no weapon formed against you can ever prosper, that God has decided to bless you and I've come to find your hiding space this morning and to bring you the water right from the enemy's territory and say it's time. <laughs> it's time, church, to rise up and to take our place into this community, to say yes to his call, to say yes to his plans, to say yes to his victory, and to quit hiding under chairs. God sees you there, and he's come to locate you this morning to call you out. To remind you, you're his daughter, his son. And to quit cowering back. You're not doing anyone any favor, shrinking back in your, in your life. It's time to take possession of his promise. I want to invite the worship team to come back up and help me. This is the moment that we've all been waiting for right here. God intends to bring a powerful breakthrough in your family, in your finances, in your relationships, in the place of your fear, 
God has come to rouse you from it and to draw you into his victory to forever change the name Valley of Rephaim to Baal Parism. I saw this really powerfully in my life and my family. Some in this room can testify about this moment that I'm going to share because they were witnesses. So late 2010, we were getting ready to meeting with group and life group and trying to start this church. We're sitting around having dinner with some of our friends and the phone rings. The wife picks it up. I could tell she was talking to her little brother because she has a way that she only talks to her little brother. But by the tone of my wife's voice and the silence that followed, I knew that she'd heard something. That wasn't just soul crushing. It was soul altering. Her little brother shared the news that he had just received from the doctor. I have cancer. It is incurable. Doctors say that I have about five years left to live. The wife crumbles to the floor next to the phone that she was holding. Just begins to weep. We started doing investigation on this cancer, and he received second and third opinions, and every doctor verified he had incurable cancer. It is always fatal, the doctors say. We have no survivors recorded for this cancer. That's what we heard. Inside of five years, with chemo, it's over. So we did what only we know to do in those moments like that, and that is to God... We know what man says and what man's wisdom is telling us, but we know that you are able to write a whole different story and to create completely different outcomes out of this situation. So we just place Jonathan in your hands, and Lord, we believe that you're able even here to bring a miracle. He started on a cycle of chemo. He lost all of his hair on all parts of his body. He looked like a character from Tales from the Crypt. I used to tell him so. Well, then somewhere around the two and a half year mark, the doctors did a PET scan. They say, we don't locate any cancer in your body anywhere. The chemo's killed it, but it's going to come back. So it should come back in six months. So they come back in six months, and they got him on a slow cancer uh, drip from the chemo and they have him on a slow drip. He's going like once a month or something like that. I said, you're still cancer free. Come back in another six months. He comes back in six months, still cancer free. I said, okay, we're going to not give you any chemo. We're just going to watch this for the next year. So now we're on year like four. He shows back up. After a year, he's cancer free. Okay, well, now he's getting near that five-year mark and the doctor said, well, this is the time it's going to come back. So we want you to come back in, 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 a, in a year and get prepared because you're going to have to come in another cycle of chemo. You've already outlived your expiration date. Feel lucky. 
So he comes back, year five. He's still cancer-free. The doctors say, no more chemo. Come back and see me in another year. Year six, cancer-free. Come back in two years. Year eight, cancer-free. And I want to tell you, 10 years from now, with no chemo drip, when they do the PET scan, all they see is cancer-free. Why? Because God is a God of the impossible. God is a way maker when there is no way. God is the door when there is no door. And I don't know where you need to see God do something in your life, but I want you to know that he is the God of your breakthrough. And he's a God that can make a way out of no way. We knew what the doctor's report was, but God has a different report. It works in a different economy. and works in a different kind of health system. For 10 years survival. Because God's able. He's the God of breakthrough. And he's the same God today that he was for David, that he was for my brother-in-law, John, that he's been all throughout my life. He's the same God for you today and longs to meet you right here this morning. And I've come to preach this word to you to bring you back some water from the enemy's territory and tell you, yes, we can. Two services is not enough to contain what God is getting ready to do in this church. Yes, we can. This stage is not big enough for all the musicians God's going to bring in. Yes, he can. God's bigger than your finances. God is bigger than your strongholds and your struggles, your addictions. God is bigger. And today is the moment of your breakthrough. He has sent me here to tell you. Valley of Rephaim, Valley of Giants is today forever going to change. Heavenly Father, I pray for everyone under the sound of my voice that's here today. Join Pastor Shane of Covenant Life Church next time for another powerful and inspirational message. To find out more about Covenant Life Church, log on to www.covenant-life.com or call 919-462-1932. Remember, living life without direction is meaningless. Living a purpose life with direction from Jesus Christ is your life fulfilled.